bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, 2015. In our general news section today, I'll discuss a new prediction by the Congressional Budget Office that the federal debt limit will be reached later than expected and what that could mean to Congress. I'll also look at other key matters facing Congress when it returns next week. In our local housing tax credit segment, I'll share some good news about HUD's Housing Choice Voucher Program and a final rule that improves its portability. I'll also touch on a California notice on how to retain current year difficult development area status for tax and bond finance developments. It's a concept that's also applicable in other states. And I'll share how you can nominate developments for some upcoming awards, as well as how to register for some upcoming webinars. In New Markets Tax Credit News, we'll talk about the latest Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report released from the CDFI Fund. After that, we'll move to the Historic Tax Credit section, where we'll all share the winners of the 2015 Novogratic Historic Rehabilitation Awards. And we'll close out our Renewable Energy Tax Credit section, where I'll share some details of a proposal by Senator Chuck Schumer to extend and modify the Solar Investment Tax Credit eligibility date. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, the Congressional Budget Office last week predicted that the United States will reach the federal debt limit later than expected. The $18.1 trillion debt limit will be reached around mid-November or early December, according to CBO. Now, that estimate is later than the end of October date projected by Treasury Secretary Jack Lew, a projection that he made before lawmakers left for their August work periods. CBO Director Keith Hall said that this is because expected revenues from individual and corporate income taxes have changed the estimation of when Treasury will have exhausted its ability to keep the government operating under the existing borrowing limit. Now, the existing limit, also known as the debt ceiling, is the maximum amount of debt that Treasury can issue to the public and to other federal agencies. As you may recall, the debt ceiling was suspended from February 2014 through March 15th of this year. And during that period, Congress gave Treasury borrowing authority to meet federal obligations as they rose. On March 16th of this year, all borrowing Treasury incurred during that suspension period was automatically added to the February 2014 limit to establish the new debt ceiling, a ceiling that they had, that they had reached at that time. Now, because Treasury couldn't borrow more than the new debt ceiling since March 16th, Treasury announced that it would employ extraordinary measures to enable it to meet federal obligations without breaching the debt ceiling. Now, the good news is that right after March 16th, you had April 15th, which brought in large income tax receipts. And then since then, given the extraordinary measures uh, that have been used, along with uh, corporate income tax and individual income tax receipts, the government has been able to fund its obligations. Now, once the extraordinary measures are exhausted, then there could be payment delays for government activities. There could also be a default in government debt obligations or both. 
So what does an extended time frame for increasing debt limit mean? The increase from the original estimation of extraordinary measures being exhausted by end of October into the later estimate based upon CBO Director Keith Hall's estimates? Well, it could increase the chances that Congress will try to combine its fiscal work into one package. And the debt ceiling is just one of the issues that lawmakers will need to consider when they return next week. The other key fiscal matters are a stopgap funding bill in order to keep the government operating into the next fiscal year. As you know, the fiscal year of the government ends September 30th, and Congress and the President have not yet agreed on a budget or a funding measure past September 30th. There could also be a longer-term omnibus spending bill to provide funding for the government for the rest of the fiscal year, and that would likely come after a stop-gap funding bill expires. There's also a need for a long-term funding bill for highway projects before the current authority expires on October 29th. And it's also unclear when and where tax extender discussions will fall into place. As always, I'll keep you updated on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. And also, I encourage you to share what you'd like to see on the legislative agenda. Tweet it, tag me, and add the hashtag TaxCreditTuesday. In our affordable housing segment, I have good news about HUD's Housing Choice Voucher Program. HUD last month issued a final rule to improve the portability of Housing Choice Vouchers. As you know, portability allows families to use their Housing Choice Vouchers anywhere that meets the requirements of the program. However, HUD says the portability option doesn't get used much because the process is time-consuming and burdensome for housing authorities. With that in mind, the final rule made a few key changes to a proposed rule that was released in 2012. First, the final rule removes a mandatory absorption requirement discussed in the proposed rule and clarifies the notification requirement for mandatory voucher suspension. Second, it requires the housing authority to notify the local HUD office within 10 business days of a determination to deny a portability move based on insufficient funding. Third, it provides that the voucher issued by the receiving housing authority to the family may not expire before 30 calendar days have passed from the expiration date of the initial housing authority's voucher. And fourth, it requires briefings for all participants on how portability works and the benefits of living in low-poverty areas. And finally, it allows a family to choose the receiving housing authority to administer its voucher. Now, the final rule is effective September 21st. If you have questions on the rule, I encourage you to contact my partner, Susan Wilson, in our Austin, Texas office. And you can find a copy of the notice at www.hudresourcecenter.com. In other affordable housing news, the California Debt Limit Allocation Committee recently released a notice on how to retain current year difficult development area or DDA status. I'd also encourage developers in other states where you've lost DDA status to review the rules in your state that are driven by guidance from HUD as to how to retain DDA status for your development. Now, the California Debt Limit Allocation Committee, or SIDLAC notice, said that a qualified residential rental program's developments application must be submitted to SIDLAC by December 15th in order to retain current year DDA status. Now, it's important to remember that all bond issuances for expiring DDA properties must occur within 12 months of the application being submitted to the state committee. SIDLAC expects the 2016 scheduled meeting dates to become available in the next couple of weeks. 
And if you need assistance in submitting tax and bond applications to SEDLAC and or tax credit applications to TCAC, contact my partner Molly O'Dell in our San Francisco office. And for doing work in another state, I encourage you to contact the Novogratic office near you. Next, I'd like to invite listeners to apply for the Novogratic Journal of Tax Credits Developments of Distinction Awards. The awards honor outstanding achievement in the development of properties using the low-income housing tax credit and or HUD financing. The four award categories recognize developments that, one, best exemplify major community impact, two, best reflect market success in overcoming significant obstacles, three, best demonstrate financial innovation, and four, best preserve existing affordable rental housing. The properties must have been placed in service in 2014 or 2015. Nominations for this round will be accepted until Thursday, September 17th. Go to www.novaco.com awards for more information and to submit a nomination. In other news, there's still time to sign up for Novogratic's two webinars this week. The first is coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, September 2nd. It's called Reviewing Low Compensing Tax Credit Lower Tier Tax Returns for Non-CPAs webinar. And the other is the Income Assets and Income from Assets for Low Compensing Tax Credit Households webinar on Thursday, September 3rd. You can register and find a list of the topics that will be covered at www.novaco.com events. In new market tax credit news, the CDFI fund last week issued its latest Qualified Equity Investment, or QEI, issuance report. This is a monthly feature of the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast, as our regular listeners know. The QEI report identifies the total dollar amount finalized by new market tax allocatees and the amount remaining to be issued, among other things. According to the most recent report, a shade less than $38.9 billion of allocation authority has been issued to investors since the inception of the program. And this most recent report notes that nearly $4.6 billion in new market tax allocation authority is still available. That being said, as you know, it's likely the large portion of that $4.6 billion is unofficially committed. The latest QEI issues report is available at www.newmarketscredits.com. And if you have any questions about your investments, please contact my partner Brad Elphick in our Atlanta Metro office. In historic preservation news, I'd like to congratulate the winners of the 2015 Novogratic Historic Rehabilitation Awards. The awards honor outstanding achievement in the creative use of the historic tax credit. The three award categories are historic development that best exemplifies major community impact, historic development that overcame significant obstacles, and historic developments that best demonstrates financial innovation. For the category of historic developments that best exemplifies major community impact, the winner is Geist Companies for its project, The Nine, in Cleveland. The honorable mention for that category goes to Dominium for development of Schmidt Artist Lofts in St. Paul, Minnesota. The next category is historic development that overcame significant obstacles. And the winner is Wallach Hindi Development Company, LLC, for the development of The Landings at Maysville High School in Maysville, Kentucky. An honorable mention goes to the Ball Properties for the Carriage Factory Apartments in Rochester, New York. The third category is historic development that best demonstrates financial innovation. The winner for that category is Alembic Community Development 
for the Myrtle Banks Building in New Orleans. And Gerding Eden receives honorable mention in the same category for the Arlene and Harold Schnitzer Center for Art and Design in Portland, Oregon. Congratulations again to our awardees. I look forward to personally congratulating them when they're honored at the Novigrad Historic Tax Credit Conference in San Antonio just a couple weeks away on September 17th. On that note, I do invite all of you to join us at the conference. We're going to have panel discussions on a wide variety of topics, including anticipated Section 50D income guidance, current historic tax credit investment structures, ways to combine the historic tax credit with the new market tax credit, as well as a focused discussion on state tax credit programs. Now, again, the conference is going to be held September 17th and 18th in San Antonio, Texas. Register today at www.novico.com events. We currently have over 300 registered attendees. In renewable energy tax credit news, Senator Chuck Schumer, a Democrat from New York, is pushing for both an extension of the federal investment tax credit for solar and a significant change in how it's claimed. Schumer made appearances at several solar developments in the past few weeks to promote his proposals. The senator said he'll propose an extension of the ITC, but he didn't say for how long. The credit is scheduled currently to phase down from 30% to 10% after calendar year 2016. Just as significantly, Schumer said he wants to change the starting point to be eligible for the investment tax credit. Eligibility for the solar credit is currently based on when the project is placed in service. Schumer wants the 30% ITC eligibility to be available as soon as construction starts. A taxpayer wouldn't be eligible to claim the credit until it was placed in service, but this would particularly affect those projects that start construction before the end of 2016. That's because, as I said earlier, the credit is scheduled to phase down from 30% to 10% at the start of 2017. So under Schumer's proposal, projects that start construction before 2017 and are placed in service after 2016 would maintain eligibility for the 30% credit. Senator Schumer called the ITC, quote, nothing short of a bright success, end quote, and said that his changes would provide more certainty for companies that make long-term investments in solar projects. He also cited other reasons to support his plan. According to Schumer's office, the solar industry employs 174,000 workers in all 50 states compared to 15,000 a decade ago. The senator also said his proposed ITC change would help the nation reach President Barack Obama's goal of 28% renewable energy by the year 2030. Again, there was no official announcement on when the senator plans to introduce the legislation. If you have questions about solar energy or any renewable energy tax credits, please contact Tony Grappone in our Boston office. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.